1: And welcome into the second hour of the show. Jason Ross here with you. Chris for running the show as always, doing great work there. We take you till ten here on Sacktown Sports. Kings back in action tonight against Denver. They're trying to get the sweep of the defending champs. That'd be a 4-0 sweep. That'd be impressive if they were able to do that. We got more on the Kings game tonight, but it is a Wednesdays at seven. We always love checking in with the former King and current head coach of your UC Davis Aggies, Jim Les, as he joins us here. On the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you?
0: Jason, good morning. How are you? I'm hanging in there. How about yourself? I'm doing well. I was, uh, I caught the Jaime Haquez uh. <laughs> show the other night. Wow. I, I, that, that, was, that was really impressive.
1: I know as a coach, I mean, look, there, there's so many things that, you know, you probably watch it with a different lens than all of us, but I got to imagine watching a guy like that with just good old fundamentals and footwork putting him on at a at a premium and a high display that's you don't always see that though. that was pretty refreshing to see
0: and and also uh, the myriad of defenders he saw mm-hmm. and kind of exploited each defender based on what his strength was against each defender which was for for a rookie to process that and have that array of you know bag of tricks to go to was was really impressive
1: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, look, I think we can make cases for and against, but that's a guy that went to school all all four years, got a lot of coaching, was well coached, and to his own credit, developed his game. But also, Coach, I got to imagine if you got an NBA lottery-type talent player to come through Davis and they were a freshman, you're going, well, yeah, I'd love to have you and get more wins out of you, but if if you've got the talent, like – you're, you're missing a window of opportunity here to take your career to places that not everybody can get to.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, and, and, and everybody develops at a different, you know, pace. And uh, I always thought the toughest thing to do for if, if you're an NBA GM or a scout is those young kids and you're trying to project out what they're going to be and how they're going to develop and you see the talent or the potential at a young age and where are they going to be three and four years down the road, not only physically, but also mentally. And the, the, the couple organizations that I've had an opportunity because of players that I've coached, um, it's, it's amazing. And I, I wouldn't use names, but, um, one organization that has a great reputation, when they wanted to come and scout one of our players, uh, they wanted not only to watch practice, they wanted to meet with academic coordinator, strength coach, every assistant coach, head coach, and sit down with each one of them and talk about the player, the person, the background, the work ethic, the character. And then I had another organization, same player, uh, the night before the draft call me <laughs> and, and had just worked them out uh, once. And we had a conversation and it was somebody I knew. So 15 minutes of that conversation was personal uh, and getting back to, you know, memories and, and talking and the, the next 15 or 20 minutes was, was about the player and um, two different organizations. One had them ranked really, really low. One had him ranked really, really high. And um, it's just interesting to, to, to see the background. And, and, you know, you talk about heat culture. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I know the Kings do it this way now, but uh, with, with the picks that they've gotten, it, it's no coincidence that you're making the right pick and getting a Keegan Murray. Uh, yeah. you're, you know, you're getting a, um, you know, I, obviously they, they drafted um, and it's, the, the kid at Indiana now. Oh, Tyrese Halliburton, yeah. Yeah, Tyrese. Um because you do that kind of homework, but amazingly in this day and age you're still getting teams that are shortcut yeah. and and not doing their homework and um you know, that's the difference.
1: Yeah, and I I would think this has got to translate to you too at UC Davis, whether it's the NBA and, and people trying to draft and finding the the player that fits. I mean, look, for Hawkes to go nineteenth, I'm sure 18 spots above teams are kind of looking at that like ah, what did we miss why couldn't we have done that and maybe the guy they drafted ultimately will develop a little bit later to your point but the same with recruiting I mean you you may think you, you you've kind of done your due diligence you've got it right and I don't want to say you get burned but that has happened to to programs and to to teams that draft is there a I don't know my my question your Coach, I guess. Is there one key contributor to you? Like, obviously, when you made it to the NBA, there's talent that's needed, a unique skill set, size, strength, speed, whatever it might be, but some other little X factor that that separates the people that can really stay and maintain, whether it's as a college basketball player or in the pros that you've noticed. Like, if they've kind of got this trait, we've got a really good chance for this person to succeed.
0: Well, I I think – a lot of it is the intangibles that are really tough to read. Now you're trying to talk to as many people to get some insight, but, uh, the toughness, competitiveness, work ethic. I think those, um, you know, having those at a high level, give you a chance to be successful, even though maybe you're not the most talented, most athletic. Um, and then I, I think IQ, uh, Especially, you know, at, at, at our place and in our system, um, we're obviously getting really smart kids. Uh, they're, they're, they're good students. Doesn't always transfer to being basketball IQ, but um, the trying to read and understand and talk to coaches about their ability to understand and see the game is really helpful you know we ask our guys to remember quite a bit in a scouting report we run a lot of different actions and sets and we've had guys that can easily pick it up and run those things and we've had guys that have struggled to remember uh those plays you know we we'd like to play uh ball screens a little bit differently maybe for different guys ball screens a little bit differently on on sides of the floor uh so that puts a premium on the IQ, and those, those to me are the probably the toughest things to evaluate. Mm.
1: As we're talking with Jim Les, head coach of the UC Davis Aggies, coach, you got the home finale tomorrow. You still have you know a couple road games and, and a tournament ahead, and you still hope to get to the big dance. But when it's when it's the final game at home, and you've coached a guy like uh, Eli Pepper for for these years, uh, what's it going to mean to see? elijah there playing his his final final home game
0: yeah it, it's it's really emotional uh it's you know you, you have these young men you know in your life almost every day uh you know for the last four or five years and um you know they become an integral part of you and and your life and your family and uh and vice versa and uh, the, the the culmination of their career and all the memories and some of the struggles and the great moments uh, it's it, it's it's emotional and uh, so we're excited to, to celebrate that night with you know we'll have five seniors and, and their families uh, but it, it's always, very emotional and you worry about your guys because it's you know there's a lot going on and there's a ceremony and there's family in town and and there's distractions and then you're trying to keep guys grounded and centered for the game so um you know it's it's a it's a special night uh as a head coach you always worry about all the extras that are going on and and being able because we're still in the hunt and trying to uh, play for positioning for our conference tournament but look, look really looking forward to it and, and appreciative of these young guys who have given a lot to our program and have done some great things they've been awesome ambassadors for our university and uh so looking forward to it
1: yeah it's a big game too right you you've got you've had a little bit of a skid here that you you can correct you still want to get right like you said positioning for the big west tournament and hawaii's a team that beat you before so you owe them and just you know, kind of weighing all that, knowing that it's going to be an emotional night, but it could still end with a, a pretty good emotion by the end of the evening.
0: Yeah, we're we're, we're hopeful, and, and that's part of it is uh, directing that emotion towards great energy and positivity, and and uh, you know, guys feeling like, hey, we you know, we want to we want to end this thing and, and finish our time on the court uh, with a with a great showing and, and and playing well. So we're we're fired up. So if you can get out to. Uh, the ucu uh tomorrow at 6 p.m against hawaii really good basketball team it'll be a really good basketball game and uh your last chance in person to see elijah pepper Mm -hmm.
1: and i mean what what he's done for the program what he's done the records that he has set i know records are meant to be broken but i mean he's putting some distance now on that scoring record
0: no it's uh it's it's gonna i I hope we have another one come down the road (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm not really thinking about that or expecting that because uh, he, he's done some some really special things and and you know we were talking about that recruiting aspect and yeah. looking for the the special qualities and I remember watching him and and he was playing on a you know a nondescript you know club team yet they were playing in a tournament against some of the big you know AAU uh, club teams that that have all the reputation and and that's what attracted us to him is was his how hard he played his competitiveness. And, and he didn't care that, you know, maybe he was the underdog or uh, that these teams and uh, other guys who were playing, they were ranked such and such, or the team was supposed to be this and they were supposed to lose. And He was just a fierce, fierce competitor. And, you know, that's translated into an, a, a really good career. He's gotten better every year and uh, he's just turned into a heck of a player and he'll, He's going to get another a, a number of opportunities, I, I think, to work out for NBA teams based on what I'm hearing. and um, I don't know if there's a chance he'll get drafted. It's a possibility depending on how those workouts go, but I know he'll be in some uh, summer camps and summer leagues, and, and he, he has a chance the way he shoots the ball uh, to, to, to maybe come back to Sacramento and play again, hopefully. Yeah,
1: that'd be fun to watch, fun to track. Coach, I'd love to ask you kind of something that – that hit the national stage as a talking point that really is, is relevant to college basketball, but the, the scenario of storming the court, we had the situation where wake won the game, uh, an injury there to a Duke player. We had one earlier in women's game with uh, Caitlin Clark getting hit by a fan. Um, You know, that's happened for many years and sometimes nothing happens, but sometimes things can happen. What's just your, your take your perspective on, on whether or not we should even have the ability to storm the court.
0: Yeah, I, I I think it, it you can do it and you can have it controlled. I I think you can have security that keeps the students back for at least, you know, maybe it's 20, 30 seconds where you can at least get the opposing team in particular off to the side. Maybe there doesn't have to be a handshake on that night and just get them moving off the floor or at least get them in a secure area where, you know, it's roped off where they can walk off the floor without having any confrontations. Uh, you know, you, you, you want to enjoy the, in the enthusiasm of a big win and celebrate with your fans and the students. And I think that's special. Those are special memories. Um, but the, all of these incidences were it's immediate. The game ends. And, you know, I, I know Filipowski is taking a lot of flack, but <laughs> there, there's a lot of emotion that, that's going on in the game. And the last thing guys are thinking is, hey, how do I clear myself and get off this court and not get run over, not bump into somebody and do all those things? They're, they're, they're in and about the emotion of the game. And that's the last thing that's going through their mind. So the, the, the administrations have to protect the players, the visiting players in particular. And, and just it, it, it's 30 seconds. Literally in 30 seconds, you could get that done and still enjoy a big victory and and let your students celebrate and your, and your student athletes celebrate.
1: I think that's a good perspective coach. We really appreciate your time each and every week. We look forward to talking to you next week. We want everybody to get out to watch the Aggies home finale, honor that senior class of guys. You're saying uh, goodbye to at least on the home floor, enjoy the emotions, all the good with that tomorrow, coach, Uh, take that all in and uh, let's see if the Aggies can get that W tomorrow night.
0: Thanks Jay. I appreciate you having me out. I appreciate it.
1: That is Jim Les, head coach of the UC Davis Aggies. Aggies and Hawaii tomorrow night. That'll be at UC Davis. We're back. Three for Madness, three questions, three answers brought to you by Fire Wings. Coming your way next.
0: Three questions, three answers. It's three for Madness on the Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross. Here's question one.
1: Thanks again to the head coach of the UC Davis Aggies, Jim Les, for joining us. Still to come at 9 o'clock. It's Wednesdays with Katie. Katie Christensen, King's television analyst, will join me here. We look forward to that. But right now, Fire Wings brings you three for madness, three questions, three answers. Fire Wings, 21 delicious flavors of wings. I suggest the peanut butter, but uh, go for there for anything, any of the wings you'd like. Salt and pepper is good. That's good, too. Garlic parm, lots of good stuff. Firewings, just wing it. Chris, what is question number one?
2: In your prime, which drill for the NFL Combine do you think you would have performed the best?
1: None of them. Um, in my you know what? Prime. I think
2: I would do a very good job on one of them.
1: Okay, wait a minute. I, I looked at this yesterday. Um, let me see if I can guess. The shuttle run? No. Okay. Um, well,
2: the... <laughs> I'm looking at tests and evaluations. Okay, West.
1: Okay. gotcha. Um, the Wonderlick test?
2: Uh, close, getting closer. Uh, interviews. No, I do terrible at that.
1: Drug screening. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you pass or you fail in my drug prime, screening. I would yes. pass the drug screening. The question is yes. Um, yeah. 40 yard dash. I mean, I could do it in my prime. Not great. Uh, bench press. I, nah, I wouldn't have been very good at that. Vert mm, broad jump. Um, the one I saw that was listed there is like position drills too. Yeah, like I, I would have liked to have done like catch the football out of the, uh, you know, the can- or like when they're turning and it's like different angles and just
2: uh, I've done that before. Have you at the uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, I went to an XFL game, mm-hmm. San Francisco Demons, yes. and they had like a thing where you they've got the cones and you run a route and they shoot the ball. Okay, at you? How'd you do? did you catch it? Uh, took me three times, but I oh. finally got it. Come on um well i'm like they were like shooting it like way far away from where i was supposed to be (laughs) leave your feet
1: um yeah i you know these things are you know been talked about for years the meat market what they're looking at i mean the outliers will stand out is this the quickest 40 time we've ever seen or this person bench pressed the this excess amount or lack of an amount like we've seen that kind of stuff um i guess the reason and the effectiveness of this is you can comp people from years you know it's like Like I said, oh, this person did the fastest 40-yard dash ever. Well, they ran the same 40 in the early 2000s to the 90s, so it's the same distance, and you can compare uh, past people, but that's just such a bizarre thing. I don't think I would have done well on any of them. Three-cone drill, 20-yard shuttle, broad jump, 60-yard shuttle. The interviews. I think I have talked my way through a good interview maybe.
2: All right, let's get to question number two.
1: Question two.
2: ESPN.com predicted each team's opening day starting QB in 2024 thinks that four rookies will start. J.J. McCarthy's with the Broncos, Michael Penix Jr. with the Raiders, Jaden Daniels with the Patriots, and Drake May with the Commanders. Which of those catches your attention the most?
1: Yeah, this obviously, you no, know, these guys have been drafted yet, but this is what their predictions would be and where they'd land. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. with the Raiders kind of is interesting. I think Penix... Had a really good year. I mean, I saw him. I remember him at the beginning of his career in Indiana. Then he transferred to Washington. The last two years was great. This year was uh, pushing for the Heisman, the national championship. And he was um, – he's, he's a pretty good talent. I think he's going to be fun to watch. And if you just look at those teams between Denver, the Raiders, the Patriots, and the Commanders, the Raiders at least had the best team last year, the best record. They weren't unbelievable, but they had the best record amongst that group. And – you know, with changes around that organization, as far as now going full force with Antonio Pierce, the assistance that he added. um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little resurgence for now, what, what the silver and black are trying to do there. So that's the one that catches my eye. I don't know if he's the most talented of the group. I know Jim Harbaugh has been really praising his college quarterback, JJ McCarthy thinks he'll be a starter in the NFL as soon as next year. No, it won't be with his team because they've got Justin Herbert but there's some teams that have openings. There's some teams that need to make some switches. And this happens every year where everybody drafts a QB, believing that they've got their next franchise guy, until they realize, most of them, that they don't, and they move on from that quarterback. But it looks like these four will get their opportunity and uh, yeah, possibly could be starting for these teams. But to me, the one that jumps out the most uh, would be Penix Jr. All right, question number three.
3: Question
2: three. ESPN.com. And its prediction for each team's opening day starter in 2024 had Kirk Cousins with the Falcons, Russell Wilson with the Vikings and Justin Fields with the Steelers. Which of those predictions stood out the most?
1: Okay. Um, I was a little surprised that they predicted Cousins would be gone. Who knows? He, it, it may not happen, but they have him going to the Falcons. You said Russell Wilson to the Vikings, Justin Fields. To the Steelers. he
2: going to be healthy enough to start Cousins?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good question too. Um, I mean, that would be a concern if I'm trading for him too, right, or signing him as a free agent. Um, Fields. I think Pittsburgh is the most ready-made team right there amongst that group too. They've always been good, consistently well coached, and it feels like there was a run there for a while where they were a really good offense under Roethlisberger and had a good defense. Now they've got a good defense, and their offense just hasn't been – there's just not enough of a spark there. And Fields could be the right fit for that team. I mean, I think that team needs a jolt at the QB position. It hasn't been Trubisky. It hasn't been Pickett, uh, Rudolph. No, it just – they need something else, someone that they can kind of rely on that division is good. They were good too, but it still felt like they were good with, with a pretty glaring weakness at the most important position in football. So, to me, if they landed Justin Fields, that would be – the most intriguing and it's much like we talked about earlier the 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 spot that chicago is in is a good one but they got to handle it right they could go forward with fields and trade that number one pick and get a just a haul for that or move fields get the nice return for him and go forward with caleb williams and kind of start new and just hope they've got uh the stud rookie and and just going forward so uh, we will see, but the, the coaching, excuse me, the quarterback carousel will be interesting to watch this off season and the running back one uh, that we talked about uh, yesterday as well. All right. Speaking of the NFL combine this combine week and so many different things have been important in kind of what we were talking about with coach Les, kind of indicators of what make quarterbacks or other players great, like predictors. Well, we don't have really the Wunderlich test to fall back on much anymore. They've got a new one. We'll explain what that has been. It's been here for a couple of years. And is that a true indicator, the S2 cognition test, for how to really find what a great quarterback will be? We'll tell you some of the scores and the results that may match up, may not. We'll have that when we come back here on Sacktown Sports.
0: place in the morning to get your sports fix. Live and local. The Carmichael Dave Show with Jason Ross.
1: So one of the things I've always been fascinated about is kind of what I was talking about with Jim Les And Chris, I'd love your input on this. Um, whether it's recruiting, drafting, free agency, when you add someone to your college, to your organization, trying to find the right fit look we talk about draft busts all the time and and i was trying to figure out why now if a player got injured that's one thing and just the career got shortened it just rotten luck but i i i, I trying to put my finger on what that that separation is of there's very smart people that do this for a living and have done it for years and are looking and identifying talent and then you go wow that guy was a bust why 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 did the
2: bust happen is it that they just haven't seen them against the competition that they face in the pros?
1: I I don't know, and I'm you know. I know for a f- I don't know, I shouldn't say for a fact, but for pretty good knowledge that sometimes situations change in people's lives, and I think we all have different motivations at different times, and I think when you're young and you're growing up and you are like I want to be a professional athlete. Just kind of as a blanket statement. Then if you've got the talent enough to do it. And then, Chris, we do know this, that like sometimes, look, that's always been my goal. I'm going to leave college early. I'm going to go to the pros. I get to the pros. I've made it. And then it's like, ah, I made it. Well, no, you work so hard to get there. You have to probably work the same or harder. And, well, I mean, yeah, I might get shade thrown at me and people say I'm a bust, but I'm also making x amount of millions of dollars like this is what i kind of wanted to do
2: was it uh marvin Hagler? he said it's hard to wake up at five in the morning and run when you're sleeping in silk sheets yeah like imagine if like imagine if someone gave you like hey jason here's 20 million dollars just keep doing what you're doing yeah it would be kind of tough to come in here (laughs)
1: right or the first time you get a little bit of a pushback on Okay, I mean, I feel like it's a little bit in my DNA to keep coming in. work, But then it's like, hey, um, why don't you do this for your show? I don't like this. Or stop talking about this. You know what? Why? Yeah. So the first time, it's like, okay, maybe I hear that. Or I would have taken that criticism differently. Or whatever it is. Or direction. And then you go, you know what? I'm making more than the person that's telling me that. And I'm going to make that no matter what I do.
2: Oh, and if you fire me, I'll just still be completely be fine.
1: <laughs> and I'm not saying that... Oh, you're going
2: to continue paying me? <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm not saying that's what always happens. No. But I think it does to
2: some to some level. And It would be hard to make that type of money and not get comfortable.
1: Yeah, and I've used this example before. One of my favorite interviews or examples of this... And it's not to slight the player, but I will say their name because it happened on the station. I've said this before. But, Chris, this would go all the way back to when Kevin Martin of the Kings was drafted. I was here with Coase. Coase is interviewing him, night of the draft. And then Coase did kind of like a fun, like, well, what are you going to do? You know, that first NBA paycheck. Like, what car do you drive? What are you going to drive? And he said something like, and I'll have the year wrong, but he's like, oh, I, I don't need a new car. I've got a – he might have said like a 95 Nissan Sentra or whatever. And he was – more than comfortable getting around college with it, and happy with it, and I don't think. I think in his mind, logically, he's like, "I don't need a new car." I, yeah, I'm going to be paid X amount of dollars, but like, I got a car. Yeah. So that was a, a raw, not even raw. That was an authentic answer, felt truthful, and I bet he came out here in that Nissan Center or whatever. I think I have the right car, and then he probably sees player X, player Y, like you can't drive that. And then before long, he had a like a tricked-out Hummer. And you go, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But his answer was Terrible this. Terrible
2: for the environment. It's well, true.
1: But his answer was this, but there was other pressures. And it's like d- he technically didn't need that car, but it's like, well, I'm an NBA player. I can't drive this car. Why not? Why can't you? But it's, I think there's different things, different things that happen, and some get a taste of that and want that. Now, Martin had a nice career, but why do some players not work? Where is he? Kevin Martin now yeah. is he back in Zanesville, Ohio? I don't, I don't know. know.
2: Like he kind of just like disappeared. He did. He played his years,
1: did his thing, and and kind of went off the map. Good so, for him. Yeah, absolutely. So in the NFL world, they used to have the Wonderlick test, and they you know did that to quarterbacks, and you'd always hear about, oh man, the outliers. Like we always do with the forty time. This guy was so fast or so slow. Wonderlick, This guy was brilliant. I think it was still to this day. Um, gosh, who's the QB from Harvard? Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think tested the highest on the Wonderlick test. And then you have others. uh, I do remember like a really, really low score for a guy like Vince Young. Now, Fitzpatrick had a long career, a nice career, nothing, you know, Hall of Fame worthy or anything, but a nice career. Vince Young drafted very high, didn't play very well. But is that because of the Wonderlick test? Is that because of other reasons? That I don't know the answer to. So they've kind of gone away from the Wonderlick test and added this other thing for quarterbacks called the S2 cognition test and kind of what it does is it measures different things that they help they hope are predictors to really gauge a quarterback's um game speed cognitive abilities down to the millisecond level. So what's interesting, I'm going to just take you back again. These are these are pro scouts, decision makers, GMs, people that have to select in the draft so last year's class of quarterbacks that took the s2 cognition test the highest grade was 98 percent by bryce young he went number one to the carolina panthers didn't have a great year i'm not saying it's because of this or not because of that what's interesting is go down the list jake Hayner, who was uh, taken i think by the saints 96 uh, percent, Will Levis, Kentucky was 93 percent. Jaron Hall going down the line. Anthony Richardson who was took pretty uh, taken pretty high was 79 percent. But at the bottom, at the bottom, at 18 percent on this score was C.J. Stroud. And here is a quote from one executive who interviewed or was was talked about Stroud's score. He said, "Quote: This is a red alert." Red alert, you can't take a guy like that. That is why I have Stroud as a bust. That in conjunction with the fact that the name of Ohio State quarterback has never done it in this league. I hope that person works for the Panthers. Exactly. So, I am poking fun of this person, but I believe they're a smart person. I believe. That could be wrong. Um. You can get caught up in, okay, I, I would I would want to be informed by this score, but it can't be an end-all, be-all. I mean, C.J. Stroud was taken after Bryce Young, had an amazing rookie season. And look, his, his career still could go south, and maybe he peaked in his first year. I don't know where his career is going to go. But I guess, are we getting too much data? Are we not getting enough data? Which I don't think there is one thing that we can go, I see this player, like the way I do it is very, very unofficial. I'll watch a player go, I think they're going to be really good. That's it. I don't I don't have any other knowledge. I don't know what their family background is, what their attitude is. It's To me, it's clearly the eyeball test in watching players play. So I have way less knowledge and information. I, I don't even know what my success level is. I've missed on plenty of people. But – when you get that much info, Chris, I wonder sometimes if it's information overload. Well,
2: the weird thing that she said about that statement was like, oh, no one from Ohio State has done it before. It's like That sounds like something a fan would say. Exactly. I, I'm like thinking of someone just like, okay, I am just going to look at statistics, and this I'm just going to be playing by the numbers. I'm not going to be like, oh, Ohio State's never done it, so why yeah. would I do that? I mean, like you would think that if you're just looking at the person, something would Tell you besides what college they went to
1: yeah I mean to me I think also like what else can I do with them if I'm the decision maker in our organization can I coach up some of these areas that I think give me some pause now if it's you know the, the the things that you're looking for have to stand out they've got to be competent in the position that they play and you got to believe there's talent there um you know you you hope there's a good character there to me I mean that's that's a tough one to coach through but if you if you're checking enough boxes and you go this guy has a weakness doing this well can my coaches coach that can we help improve that Um, we we've said a lot about culture over the last couple days I believe the Miami Heat that are looking at these players are identifying something that they see probably some in, in my eye is something related to character and work ethic that they go if you've got those things along with talent you're you're our guy. You're a heat player. And then they foster that and grow it.
2: The thing I think about a lot when they're trying to pick a player is they always talk to the players' coaches, mm-hmm. which they're going to know a lot more than anybody else. Yeah. But I never hear about talking to coaches that played against them. Mm-hmm. Like, I would want to say, like, hey, you had to defend this guy. Yeah. What did you see? Yeah, what did you prep for? Why was he so difficult in this game? Yeah. How were you able to actually – how are you the only coach that was able to stop him? Right. I think you could get like, I think you would get a lot of information instead of like a 40-yard dash.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I think you look at all that stuff. I, apparently more and more head coaches aren't going to the combine. I mean, the GMs and they they
2: all have to do that. But you just, you, you well, it's want. Weird. It's become like an NFL like uh, event now. Yeah, it is. It's not about like really seeing the players. It's going and networking with people. Right.
1: And I think that's maybe where the, those discussions are. What are you hearing? And I think you probably would have, like, if you and I were GMs, I mean, I would probably talk to you quite a bit and have trust in you because we have, you know, we have a relationship. Big mistake. <laughs> I don't think Chris would lead me wrong. Wait, Chris, you did it again. Darn it, Verlade. Um But I think that it is a lot of networking there and, and, and fact finding and information. And, and then you get people that, you know, I, I know that's got to happen. I mean, imagine this amongst um, GMs where if you and I are having talks and you're like, oh, man, you know the guy, if I were picking number one, because I'm sure they do that, like, if I were the Bears and I would take this person. Yeah. And then, you know, over time there's like a mental Rolodex. Like, oh God, Chris said that person and they weren't very good. Or they were – he was right again. They That guy went eighth and he would have taken him number one and he was the best player in the draft. Like, you just – I'm sure they store that in or – their worst thoughts or worst misses, they've got to know all that that's stuff. That's
2: another thing. As a draft ke- comes up, like, people stop paying attention to the draft boards. Yeah. Like, that's another – the the coaches, the GMs, they do not have a draft. They have their own draft board yeah. of what they see, but it doesn't match up to what ESPN, CBS, right. all of those different draft boards are.
1: That's always one of my funny uh, – I guess it's a pet peeve because if – someone on most draft boards is supposed to go eighth and they went second. They're like, Oh, they went way early to Mel Kuyper's draft board. <laughs> they went early on Mel Kuyper. Like he's not drafting. That's, I mean, you're, you're getting that assessment. And from I think if you were opinion. to talk to
2: Mel Kuyper, he would say the same thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, so it's like, or whatever, whoever the ex, you know, NBA draft.com says this player should have gone 10th and they went 17th. Wow. What a steal. Is it? Is it? So that it's obviously not an exact science. We'll see what the S2 cognition test reveals for the upcoming uh, draft class as well. How about the 49ers? They're going to be checking out a busy offseason. They still got to figure out defensive coordinator. Brandon Ayuk situation, what they're going to do at the... NFL draft as well. John Lynch spoke a bit yesterday. We got some of his reaction to what's going on with the 49ers as they're trying to get back to the Super Bowl. We've got that. We've got Katie Christensen still to come on the show and so much more straight ahead here on Sackdown Sports. Carmichael D has very good sources and he, he just kind of tells it as it is and gets to
3: the point. Jason Ross. He has a lot of pretty smart things to, to say. He's good at what he does on Sacktown Sports.
1: Coming up at 9, Katie christensen will join us live from Denver, Kings and Nuggets, much more of a preview on the Kings and Nuggets matchup tonight, including if uh, the Kings got any help on their night off, we'll explain that the latest in our standings watch coming up a little bit more here on the nfl with combine week here john lee lynch was speaking yesterday we got some of that audio but let's check in with jeff jeff what do you know about this cognition test that the nfl is doing
4: well i don't know much about this cognition test but i i wouldn't rely on it to draft a quarterback that's for sure i have a theory about quarterbacks in the nfl and i think i'm pretty close on this it's a crapshoot nobody (laughs) knows and the case studies are Brock Purdy, Tom Brady, and all of the first-round draft picks that have flamed out. And here's what here's the deal. This is why this is. Nobody knows how that quarterback is going to process at the NFL speed because they play at the college speed. They have been tested at that speed. And they're either going to be able to do it or they're not going to be able to do it. And the cognition test is not going to show that, how well they performed in college, May give you a hint one way or the other if they're going to be able to do it, but you don't know until they're thrown into the fire. Period. They can either process at that level and make plays, or they can't.
1: Yeah, and, and then even a guy like, you know, what the the game's best quarterback right now is Patrick Mahomes. His draft, he went tenth, if I'm not mistaken, and Mitch Trubisky went second. And you exactly. just think, you know, Chicago again seemingly smart people saw something and thought no he's got more of the stuff we need to be our franchise quarterback and the stuff you heard about Mahomes well throws off weird foot weird angles now it's all praise look at what he can do and he's been able to process that with success and uh turn into one of the the game's great quarterbacks
4: so I believe that any quarterback who makes an NFL roster has the physical tools they can make the throws they understand football it's between the ears I really believe that I believe they're all super athletes you know they're better at their job than any of us are at our job if you're on an nfl roster you're elite but it's the processing speed it's between the years yeah
1: and it makes me wonder too jeff and this is a great point that if maybe that's why every year there's so many taken in the first round just because they maybe the thought process is we don't know we really don't know but if we take as many bites out of the apple maybe one time we'll hit i mean that could for be your time guys all right thank you jeff i appreciate it i mean that That might be the philosophy. It's just – and that would be, like, I think the year was when Philadelphia – or the Rams in Philadelphia traded up for one and two to get Wentz and Goff. And the thought process was – or Goff and Wentz – was maybe Goff is the number one pick. Maybe. But Wentz wasn't considered to go that high. And then those two teams traded up. It's like, we got to get a quarterback. So I think they weren't rated as high as the top two picks – But then it's like, hey, for quarterbacks, they were rated that high. But then it's like, hey, we're moving up. We've got to make sure we get our guys. And it's just a a sense of desperation to get first-round quarterbacks. But a lot of them miss.
2: Also, I think it depends on the situation that you're putting a quarterback in. Like, remember, Aaron Rodgers dropped way down, and and Alex Smith was picked by the Niners. Like, what if that was flipped?
1: Right. And, you know, Smith had to come in and play, basically. Rodgers didn't, knew he wouldn't. Same with Jordan Love, and now we're seeing Jordan Love. It's like, yeah, he's learned. He was pretty talented, but he wasn't in a spot where he could start. Uh, Brock Purdy, a little bit, too. It's like, I mean, he was drafted last. We also go, is he going to be on this team? Then makes the team. And when he's given a chance to play, first part, you have to respond. He did. But he was on a team that was like, hey, just kind of come in there and don't screw it up. But now he's gone in from that mode to, hey, he's pretty darn good. He's helping this team win. So, The Niners think they've got their quarterback. At least that's what they think. They've got a lot of other important pieces around them. Will they have Brandon Ayuk? That's a big decision to make. Look, this team has got a lot of money tied up to its core players. The cap went up a little bit higher than I think some people thought. Here's uh, John Lynch yesterday talking about many things, but including the thought on uh, Brandon Ayuk.
3: Well, it's, um, you know, I think it's, that was a welcome uh, sight that, you know, that the cap was going up. I think the thing you have to understand, it went up for everyone. So it's not like unique to our team, um, you know, but but we have some challenges. We have a lot of good players, a lot of good players who we've rewarded. Brandon's one that uh, we think incredibly highly of. Uh, one of my favorite um, just guys around our building, the way he approaches the game. He's a competitor. Um He's a warrior. Uh, he plays with such a physicality, also with the grace, the way some, some of the positions his body can get into. And then he's got a flair for making plays when it matters most. And, and he's served us very well as a, as a franchise. And, you know, I think we've got a, a nice track record of extending the players that are important to us. And uh, Brandon's a guy we want to keep around uh, for a long time.
1: Again, no uh Definitive word there, but I think everything he is saying leans towards a return of the two pairings together. And is important to what they do. I mean, receiving wise, I don't. It's so hard to separate who's the most important piece, but they all kind of go together. You kind of need all of it. And I think McCaffrey's threat as a runner, combined with Debo's threat as a runner and a runner after the catch if is a receiver, Kittle's playmaking ability certainly Ayuk as just a consistent every-game receiver. It's a really good combination that the 49ers have. And to me, after watching a full season of them and coming up short of the Super Bowl, offensive line is an area that needs to be addressed, some areas on the defense, and certainly who's running the defense. I know they talked about how much they liked kind of some of the core principles they have in place, but who's going to be the one calling the defensive signals? They talked to guys like Brandon Staley and a few others. Uh, Here was uh, John Lynch asked about that.
4: Defensive coordinator, does that change the way you evaluate defensive players in this upcoming
3: class? No, because I think we have a great idea who we're going to be and continue to be and the things we believe in. So uh, is it important? Sure. And we're working towards that. Kyle's working towards that. And that will come in due time here. But we we want to be true to the process and learn a lot from it. Uh, Identify, you know, some of the changes and tweaks we want to make while still staying kind of to our core.
1: All right, so there's some thoughts from John Lynch. Again, this is as important time of year for the NFL. It's really making up the roster for the next run at it. And the 49ers have a lot of uh, key pieces that will be back but some others that need to be addressed. And we know the NFL more than any other sport. Uh, the last year's results almost have zero impact on the next season. I mean, each season is its own entity. We have seen such a transformation in the standings year by year. And there's some teams that stick around that that does. It's true, but those are more outliers. I would say the, like we say every year there's that minimum, Four teams from the playoffs that made it that will not make it the next year, and a lot of times it's up to six and seven. And so if you've got that kind of turnover, um, it's amazing. But the Niners have a very, very good roster. They're well coached. They got to fill this defensive coordinator position. And, you know, when that happened with Steve Wilkes, I don't think ultimately it was that big of a surprise. It just seemed like there was, you know, from the get go of being upstairs to downstairs to that game against Minnesota, there was some questioning of calling the blitz when they did or before the half. It just didn't seem like there was the right pairing and the right partnership internally. Now, they still got good results, still have won a ton of games. I don't think it was in spite of it. They, they, you know, Steve Wilkes did help. I don't want to make it sound like he did nothing, but I think there wasn't the right bond, and you've got to have that as a head coach. Kyle Shanahan, it's more on his record. So he's like, look, i I, I got to make a change. I want to make a change, and now it's important for him to uh, get the right defensive coordinator the previous two have gone on to be head coaches. So the Niners have a good track record. People are wanting to take away from what they have. They want to figure out what the secret sauce is. And if they could do that and take that to their organizations, uh, they will do so. All right, coming up in the next hour here on the show, we're going to get into the Kings. Kings play the Nuggets tonight. We've got a preview of that. Also, we've got who's hot and who's not in the next hour. But when we come back, We'll do the very latest on the Western Conference standings, the results from last night, what helped the Kings, what hurt the Kings, and where Sacramento right now in their quest to get back to the postseason. We've got that as we start the 8 o'clock hour coming up here on SAC Town Sports.